Would you open your Bibles, please, to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Joshua, chapter 1. We started on this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to continue with it. We do have to watch our time a little bit. But I want to begin to talk to you about important truths about moving forward in your lives. We, we cannot be defeated. We don't stop. But we figure out how to move forward even in baby steps. Everybody say, even in baby steps. Now we said as the people of Israel were entering into the promised land on their first attempt, they failed because of their lack of faith. They rebelled against God's will for their life. We said on their second attempt, they failed again because they didn't understand that God keeps moving. And when you reject the will of God for your life, you can't go back and obey an old command. You have to obey what God is saying now. Everybody say, obey what God is saying now. And there are many Christians that have moved their lives out of the will of God that think that somehow they can go backwards in life. But you have to remember, God keeps moving. Everybody shout, God keeps moving. And so you say, God, what is your will for us now? Now, on the third attempt, they were successful. Moses has gone to heaven. Joshua has taken over the leadership. Chapter 1, verse 10. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has given to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise." Now, last or two weeks ago, we began to understand that if we are going to move forward toward the goals and dreams that God has for our lives, we first of all have to learn to recognize the right time. Everybody say, the right time to move. Secondly, we said it requires preparation. You, you cannot just think that, all right, now that the door is open, now I will prepare. You, you don't prepare for a promotion after you receive the promotion. When you have an attitude like that, you're always playing catch-up, and you, you don't get the promotions. You cannot wait until God opens an opportunity to prepare. You prepare before. Everybody say, prepare in faith. You believe that God has spoken to you. You believe that God is going to open a door for you. You prepare in faith. Everybody say, preparation. Thirdly, we learn that moving forward requires that you know the boundaries of a promise. We said one of the principles that Christians forget in life is that every doctrine has a boundary. Every promise of God has a boundary. And people get into false doctrines when they stretch a doctrine or they stretch a promise of God beyond the boundaries. God told the people of Israel, I'm giving you this land. And he specified the parameters of that land that he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I'm not giving you Damascus. I'm not giving you the Roman Empire. I'm, I'm not giving you Syria. I'm not giving you Edom. I'm not giving you Esau. This is the parameter. These are the parameters of the promise. Every doctrine in the Bible has a boundary. Every promise in the Bible has a boundary. Now, I want to move on from there. 
And the fourth thing I want us to see, moving forward into the promises of God, moving forward into the dreams and plans that God has for your life requires, requires that you protect your faith. Everybody say, protect my faith. The biggest mistake we make, and probably the number one mistake I see believers making, is we listen to the wrong people in life. Everybody say, listen to the wrong people. Now, I didn't say listen to the wrong facts. I said listen to the wrong people. You see, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. People can look at the same set of facts, and because of the condition of their hearts, they come to very different conclusions. Everybody say, same facts, different conclusions. Now, first of all, I want you to understand that we're not ashamed of facts, that we're not embarrassed by facts, and as Christians, we don't hide from facts. Romans 4, verse 19, without weakening in his faith, I love the New International Version, without weakening in his faith, Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. We don't mind facing facts. The doctor looks at you and says, you're going to be dead in six months, you have cancer of the whatever, spleen. Okay, those are the facts. That's what medical science says. I have cancer of the spleen. But God says, I will live and not die and declare the glory of the Lord. But God said, by his stripes, I have been healed. So we look at the facts. We're not embarrassed by the facts. and We don't try to hide from the facts. And we don't try to pretend that the facts don't exist. We accept the facts. But we see them through eyes of faith. Through eyes of what? Now this was the problem in their first attempt to enter the promised land. They listened to people, they were influenced by people who saw the same facts through eyes of fear. Remember the ten spies and the two spies. Joshua and Caleb saw the same facts as the ten spies, but they saw all those facts through eyes of faith. With God, we can do this. If God is with us, we can do this. But the ten spies, they saw the same facts through eyes of fear. Now, brothers and sisters, at some point you're going to have to understand in life, you cannot allow your faith to be destroyed. One million people's faith was destroyed by the influence of ten people. Now, now that to me is just amazing. Ten people, but all ten of those people were people of leadership position in each of their tribes. Ten leaders within the tribes of Israel destroyed the faith of a million people, not because they disagreed about the facts, but because they saw the facts through eyes of fear. Everybody say, eyes of fear. Secondly, we cannot allow ourselves to have our faith destroyed by people who see the same facts through eyes of bitterness and envy and jealousy and hatred. You look at Numbers chapter 16. Moses then called Dathan. Numbers 16 beginning with verse 12. Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Elam, and said, they said, we will not come up. Now listen to how these men talk. Moses, we will not come up. Now listen to how they saw the facts. 
Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you will also make yourself a prince over us? You have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us an inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Listen to the rebellion and the bitterness and the anger and the hatred and the jealousy of these men's hearts. Now, we agree with some facts. We agree that Egypt was a land flowing with milk and honey. But they were also slaves. They were what? They were what? But now they're free. So, all right, maybe look at a few other facts and get a different conclusion. There they saw, you brought us up out of this beautiful land of Egypt and you brought us out here in the wilderness to kill us. Moses didn't bring anybody out in the wilderness to kill anybody. God brought them out to bring them in. But people had died along the way because of their rebellions. He said, you just want to make yourself prince over us. This is all a power grab for you. Yes, God had made Moses the leader of the people of Israel, but the Bible said Moses was the most humble man that ever lived. So the bitterness caused them to look at things and interpret things very, very differently. You've not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, you're right. I brought you right up to the edge of it, and you guys refused to go in. You rebelled against God, but I brought you there. You didn't give us an inheritance of fields and vineyards, but I brought you right to the edge, and you were fearful and did not enter. So, brothers and sisters, you, you look at this and you realize that in life, in your offices, in the companies that you work for, in your families, among your relatives, among your friends, there are always going to be people who tell you something can't be done. And the reason they say it can't be done is not because the facts are in disagreement. It's how they look at those facts through the bitterness and the envy and the jealousy and the hatred of their hearts. So you have to be careful. Don't let your faith be destroyed by people who look at things through the eyes of fear. Don't let your faith be destroyed by people who look at everything through the eyes of jealousy and bitterness and hatred. And thirdly, don't let your faith be destroyed by those who look through the eyes of wrong teaching. Everybody say wrong teaching. Now in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 7, Paul challenges the new baby Christians up on the Galatian plateau. He says in verse 7 of Galatians 5, you were running well, you were doing well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who hindered you from obeying the truth? It was a group of people called the Judaizers. Everybody say Judaizers. Now, the Judaizers believed that Jesus was the Messiah. The Judaizers believed that Jesus died on a cross to take the punishment of their sins. The Judaizers believed that Jesus was the Son of God. The Judaizers believed everything that the Gentiles believed about Jesus. But they just added something to it. They said, yes, we believe in all of that, but you also have to become a proselyte Jew, and you have to offer a sacrifice in Jerusalem, otherwise, and you have to obey the Mosaic law, or you cannot be saved. Now, beloved, sometimes 
people will agree with you completely about everything regarding some doctrines. But they add one little thing of untruth, and it changes the application. The Judaizers did not believe that a Gentile could be saved by faith. And that was the whole purpose of the big discussion, the first church conference in Acts chapter 15. And Peter had to stand up and James had to stand up and say, yes, we believe in salvation by faith. Everybody say salvation by faith. So you have to be careful with this. If you're going to move into the promises that God has for you, there is a good fight of faith that is going to have to be fought. And that good fight of faith isn't fought necessarily against the devil. It's fought within our own hearts. As we choose not to allow the influence of people who see things through eyes of fear, through eyes of bitterness and jealousy and hatred and hurt, or through eyes of wrong doctrines, we choose to keep our faith in what God has said. Everybody say, my faith in what God has said. Say, well, how do you protect your faith, Pastor? Romans 10, 17. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do all that it was according that has been written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Everybody say, Know the Word, live the Word, meditate in the Word, and I will be prosperous and successful. This is one of the reasons right now for the 30-day challenge. I know people are struggling with their faith right now. So we say, all right, in the middle of a struggle of faith, let's meditate in the Word of God day and night. I didn't hear you. When people begin to mess up your faith and begin to challenge, you just get a hold of the Word of God and sit down and start reading the Word and meditating in the Word of God. And as you read and meditate in the Word of God so that you're careful to obey it, God will make your way prosperous and successful. And everybody said? Secondly, moving forward requires additional personal consecration. Joshua 3, verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He said, hey, the Lord's going to let you walk across the River Jordan at flood stage as on dry ground. He said, God's going to do wonders among you. So consecrate yourself before the door opens. Everybody say, fresh consecration before... The opportunity opens. Now, beloved, consecration is something you see all throughout Israel's history. It didn't just happen one time. Again and again and again, the people of Israel are called to consecrate themselves. Leviticus 20:17, Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, Numbers 11, verse 18, and it just goes all through the Old Testament. Even Jesus, in John 17, verse 19, in his high priestly prayer before his crucifixion, he says, Father, I consecrate myself. For their sake, I consecrate myself, Lord. Consecrate just means set yourself aside 
for a holy purpose. Everybody say, set myself aside for a holy purpose. Now, beloved, you have to understand that every time you enter into something new, there are new spiritual challenges. There are new temptations. When the people of Israel were going to enter into the promised land, there were battles they had never fought before. There were peoples and there were temptations and there were idolatries. There were things in that land that they had never, ever faced before. For 40 years, they had lived as a unit of a million people moving through the desert. Very little, if any, interaction with any other culture. And now they're going to divide up and move across the land. And there are other peoples already living in that land. There are going to be new temptations, new challenges. Every time you get a promotion at the office, there are new challenges and there are new temptations. Everybody say, new temptations. Beloved, you have to understand that before you enter into a new door, before you enter into a new project, before you enter into something new that God has directed you to do, there takes a time of personal consecration. Remember with me Romans 12, 1 and 2. We are, we present ourselves as a living sacrifice. What kind of a sacrifice? Not a dead sacrifice. Dead sacrifice can crawl off the altar. Cannot crawl off the altar. A living sacrifice, you can crawl off the altar anytime you want. What I have found in my short life is that every time I face something new, every time there's some great new project that we have as a church, every time there's a great new opportunity that God opens, I sit down one morning in my devotions and I come and I consecrate myself once again. Lord, here I am. You've walked with me and you know me. Lord, I set myself aside for the work that you have called me to. Lord, I consecrate myself to live a holy life before you. Lord, I consecrate myself for the work that you have called me for, for the goal that you have laid out ahead of me. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I set myself aside as a living sacrifice. Everybody say fresh consecration. Now, I've taught this to many of you over the years in smaller meetings, and I've watched how it works in your life. And I've seen how that when you do that fresh consecration and then you move into that new opportunity, there's blessings and there's spiritual strength and you're not brought down by the temptations and the challenges of that new opportunity. Consecration before you enter the dream. Everybody say consecration before the dream. The next one, number six, moving forward, requires that you follow God and follow the leadership that God has placed in your life. Joshua 3, verse 3. And he commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Now remember, the ark refers to the presence of God carried by the Levites. Now look on down in chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. 
God told the Levites, as you place your feet in the water, God's going to do a miracle. Everybody say, leaders lead. The leaders didn't stand there on the shore and say, you guys go first. The leaders lead. As they put their feet into the water, the water went back, dry ground appeared. And then God told the leaders, you stand in the middle of the river while all the people pass by. You lead the way into the open door and then you stand in the place of danger until all the people pass by. Leaders don't leave the place of danger. They stay in the place of danger until the people have crossed over. Great principle that you need to get a hold of. But this is why you follow the leaders. Now, the reason you follow the presence and the reason you follow the leaders is because you haven't gone this way before. Verse 4 of Joshua 3. He said, there shall be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, the ark in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. The people of Israel had no idea where to go inside the promised land. They'd never been in there. They had not sent spies in for 40 years. They didn't know where to go. They had to follow the presence. As you enter into a new dream, as you enter into a new opportunity that God is speaking to you about, beloved, please, with all due respect, you don't know what you're doing. With all due respect, you don't know what to do next. You know how to do the past, but you don't know how to do the future. Let me say that one more time, please. You know how to do the past, but you don't know how to do the future. You've not done this before. So you follow God and you follow the leaders. Now, what did Jesus say? John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus said, I do nothing of myself. I only do what I see the Father doing. Now, again, this is one of the great mistakes I find Christians making. You go out and get in the middle of something, and then you ask God to join you. Beloved, that doesn't work. Been there, done that. You don't go get in the middle of something and say, hey, God, would you come help? That's not how this works. You follow God into the dream. Everybody say, I follow God. God doesn't follow me. Yes, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. But forgive me, God doesn't follow us. God leads us. So you don't go and get in the middle of a new promotion. You don't go get in the middle of a new project. You don't go get in the middle of, of a, new, a new plan, a new dream. You don't go out and buy a house and lot and pray about it later. You say, Lord, I only want to follow you into this thing. And Lord, as I follow you, everything is going to be all right. Everybody say, follow God. Don't ask God to join us. The next one, moving forward, watch my time, moving forward requires that you overcome sluggishness. Now I know after a couple of years of lockdown, we're moving a little slower than we used to move, not just physically, but also spiritually. But listen to what Joshua says in chapter 4, verse 10, the people passed over 
in haste. The people passed over in what? Don't think that doors and opportunities stay open forever. They don't. You have to learn to move quickly through an opportunity. You have to learn to make decisions and follow God and move quickly. Everybody say, move quickly. You know, again, great mistake I've watched for four decades of, of Christians. God opens a door and they're still praying about it 30 days later. And then the opportunity goes away. That's not how life works, beloved. When God opens a door and says, go through, you make haste. Oh, Pastor Summerall, no, we shouldn't make haste. We should move in patience. No, when it comes to opportunities, you make haste. You do what? Now think with me. When God told Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, and offer him up as a sacrifice. Genesis 22, verse 2 and 3. Did he wait three weeks to obey? Did he wait a month to obey? Did he think about it even for a day? No. He got up early the next morning and began to obey. Think about the apostles in Matthew 4, verses 19 through 22. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Everybody say immediately. They had an opportunity in life. And they immediately followed. Verse 22, or verse 20 with verse 21. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Everybody shout immediately. Now, think about people who did not do quite so well with that. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. Jesus said, follow me, verse 59. But he said, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. When God opens a door, you make haste to enter the door. Everybody say, make haste. Say it again. You don't sit around and say, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray about this for six months and then I'll, I'll consider it. No. When God opens a door, you make haste because you recognize a door does not stay open forever. Now, very quickly, i got four minutes because we're having to run these shorter services under this new COVID thing. Moving forward requires proper expectations. Now, let me move through this quickly. The first proper expectation. You must remember that crossing through an open door is always a one-way journey. It's a what kind of a journey? Chapter 4, verse 23. Of Joshua, chapter 4, verse 23. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up until... We passed over. The waters of Jordan, verse 18, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed its banks as before. When God opened the sea for the people to leave Egypt, as soon as they were through, it came back. When he opened the Jordan River for them to cross over on dry ground, as soon as they were over, it came back. It was a one-way journey. You have to understand, brothers and sisters, 
that when God opens opportunities for you, that door is a one-way door. Everybody say, a one-way door. And it's a one-way door not as a punishment. It's a one-way door so that you'll understand that your future is not in your past. Your future is in your future in Jesus' name. Second expectation. Expect God's supernatural provision to end. Joshua 5, verse 11 and 12. You can read the Scriptures when you get home. On the day they entered into the promised land, the manna stopped. From this point forward, they were going to have to make their own shoes and they were going to have to make new clothes. Their shoes and their clothes had not worn out in 40 years. God had supernaturally provided for them. But now the supernatural provision was over. Now some of you are in that season of supernatural provision right now where it's just like God just keeps providing and God just keeps providing and God just keeps providing. But you don't understand that when you move into this new door that God has for you, all that supernatural provision is going to end and God expects you to earn from what he has, the opportunity he has now given you. Everybody say, earn. Say it again. Say it louder, please. Third realistic expectation. Expect the battles to begin. In Joshua chapter 4, verses 12 to 13, they crossed over ready to fight. And they had to go to war right away. As they crossed over, first big city, one of the oldest, in fact, probably the oldest city still existing in the world today, Jericho. And that's where the great battle with the walls came down. But they had to fight over. They had to cross over ready to fight. They had to be ready for the battles ahead. Now, today's January 15th. We were supposed to be having a huge youth rally and party and worship time and Holy Ghost time down at South Campus today. And it would have been a beautiful day for it. In fact, it was a little cold this morning, nice and windy, but beautiful, beautiful day for it. And what I was going to teach the young people today, and I'll teach it when we do this maybe in March. Every generation has a Goliath to fight. David killed his Goliath, but the next generation had their Goliath to kill, and the next generations after that had their Goliath to kill. You and I can never think that we're going to walk into the destinies that God has for us, and there are no battles to fight. There will always be battles to fight. Would you stand with me, please? Did you learn today? May I humbly ask that one day this week you gather together as a family. I know many of our families are buying new homes these days and starting new businesses. And, you know, to be honest, this has been a really weird two years, all right? In one sense, we have families that we're really having to work hard to help. And in another sense, we have families that are buying houses like we've never seen houses bought before. It's a very weird, weird, very weird season. There are so many of you, you're moving into so much that God has for you. And you shouldn't be embarrassed by it. It's, it's not wrong that God is blessing you in the middle of a hard time. And everybody said... But don't go into it without the consecration. Please, please, sit your families down this week and talk about, as for us and our household, 
we will serve the Lord. We will be in God's house together as a family. We will serve in God's house together as a family. We will worship God together as a family. And we will live a holy life together as a family. We will consecrate ourselves as a family to the Lord. And everybody said, would you take the bread, please? Ulitanatan, this bread represents the body of my Savior. He consecrated himself before the cross. No wonder he could say, not my will, but thy will be done. Some things require consecration to obey. But because he consecrated himself, the punishment of all my sin has been dealt with. I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. I remember what my Savior did for me. Let us partake of the bread together. Ulitanatan, this cup represents his blood that washed away all my sin. I know I'm not worthy of all that God has done for me. But he made me worthy by his blood that has washed away all my sin, all my guilt, and all my shame. I remember what he's done for me. Let us partake of the cup together. people around you and say, you're looking at somebody who's moving forward in Jesus' name. And everybody said?